So, when was your last checkup? Oh no, not you. Although that's important too, but when was your last vehicle checkup? When it comes to service, nobody knows your Chevy better than your local Chevy dealer. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to schedule an appointment today. We've got Rick. He's in Woodstock, Illinois. Welcome to WGN Radio. Hi, Raleigh. How are you? I want to apologize because we just moved back to um, Chicago from Seattle. I was born and raised here in Park Ridge and lived here 55 years, and I retired and moved to Seattle. We've been there for 26 years and just moved back. And uh, I'd always listened to WGN before, but um, I, I'm ashamed to say I hadn't, I hadn't heard of you until <laughs> I, I, I got back this time. I'm sorry. My only excuse is I was a musician. That's what I did for 35 years, and I worked every night. And uh, by the time we got through playing the third show, I was just went, had that quiet coming home and just went to bed. But just hearing you on WGN, you have awakened so many memories, good memories. Uh, I'm old. I'm in my 80s, and uh, you would you would say things and talk about things that just uh, you just made my whole move back here worth it. Oh, I good. mean, uh, I, really, I, I I enjoy your show immensely, and I'm learning so much, and I just kind of miss this. It's like movies, because I always work nights. I missed all movies, so I can watch them now. <laughs> sure, <laughs> see what I missed. Sure. So but you, I had some questions. Okay, that, that let, me, let me ask. You, yes. let, me, let me ask you one first. When did you move to Seattle? Uh, I retired in 1993. Okay, so in uh, 1993. So you missed me. See, I, my brief tenure at King. I was going to say you missed that. I practically missed it, oh. but uh, but that was before you. All right. So questions. Okay. Um, do, do you remember WJJD? Oh, of course. Shearing Plow. And had to run down well, at sundown Utah time because of KSL. Ah, well, I, that's very close to where I grew up. It's just blocks from where I grew up. Ah. And during World War II, um, after dinner, sometimes my dad uh, would take uh, my mom and I, and we'd go for a ride in the car in the 40s, and we'd listen to the suppertime frolics on, on WJG, WJJD. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, a, a DJ, and I don't know his last name, but his voice was very similar to that of Tennessee Ernie Ford. And his first name was Randy. And between every song, he did a commercial about gravestones. Yeah, right, absolutely. So, don't let your mother lay out in the cold another night without a proper marker. Write tombstones, WJJD. That's spelled WJJD. Wow. Wow. <laughs> See, I knew you would. Do you happen to know what his name was? You know, I just, I've thought about him. I can still hear his voice. Yeah, and this was uh, this was probably at the time that Ralph Atlas owned the, the station, but I cannot remember him, and it'll come to me. I know exactly who you mean. I might have a tape of him somewhere around, but yes, I do oh know who you gosh. mean. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, then my second question was, uh, yeah. when I got out was of it, the... Wait a minute, was it Randy I, Blake? Randy Blake? Yes, yes, okay, yes. That's, yes, okay, bless right. you, that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's because oh. he started there in the '30s, I think, as a singer. The Shelter Time fought frolics and all that, and uh, frolics, yeah, he yeah. he's been dead since '74, I think. I think oh, maybe not, Ma- maybe not. Now that may be terrible to say, but he's been gone a long time. 
but that was his name. Every time I Randy, I kept coming up with Travis, of course, which yeah, right, you know, yeah. is not right. But, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, bless you! I, that's I've been trying to think of that name for years and years and yeah, years. Yeah, Randy Blake. He just had a voice that I couldn't forget. And there are probably interviews with him online. I haven't looked for them, but he was inducted into various, you know, Hall of Fame type things. And so I'm sure if you look, you're going to find something archived. Oh, I never, I didn't know, I didn't know that they would have something that, uh, oh, I guess they should work. Well, you know, think about, think about Chicago and country music, because, you know, he certainly could be talking about the barn dance, the national barn dance. Uh, I used to listen to it every right, Saturday. Right, right, on WLS and then later WGN. Sure, so I would think the Country Music Foundation or others, I'll look for this later, uh, I'll bet you that you can, you can probably even go to YouTube and, uh, and hear something. That's, this is amazing. I can't believe it. Your, your memory is wonderful. I wish I had it. The, when I got out of the military in 1960, I came back here to Chicago, and I was uh, spent two years in the Arctic in Greenland and two years in Antarctica, so I was, like, away from everything. Oh, man. <laughs> I missed everything. And uh, But I, on and WCFL, the morning person in 1960. Yeah, Dan Sorkin. Dan Sorkin. Oh, that's the name. Yeah, he's my he's That's my the, fave. He's my all time fave, and I still have my Save Rose Bimler button. I have one also. Yes, yes, I wear it proudly. Save Rose. Yes, yes. Rose Bimler. Yes, you I, betcha. I was listening to him in the morning when he when he played the Lena Horn thing. He says that's Lena Horn and her horny men, and <laughs> on soon after that. But Mike Rapchak was his yes, uh, yes. Uh, second banana. Yeah. Dan Sorkin. Yeah, Dan Sorkin. Oh, Sadly, he only died a couple of years ago. Within within the last decade, for sure, he died in his nineties. And uh, when he left C- oh, wow. uh, CFL, he went out to California, and he was on the air in San Francisco. Had a bad motorcycle accident, lost a leg, uh, wound up getting involved with Synanon uh, and uh, became their pilot and actually was still uh, still flying planes up till pretty much his death and he started an organization called Stumps R Us, uh, a whimsical support group for amputees that uh, I wish was still around because he did a great job with that and he nothing stopped him. Dan was he was certifiably insane, don't get me wrong, he was a crazy man <laughs> but uh, but you know, I mean, I mean, I love Dan at a distance, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't want to get too close, but but absolutely uh, thought he was the funniest damn thing. And I, I remember one time he had that contest: uh, why I want seven beautiful girls and a rose and Rolls Royce in ten words or less. You know, things like that. <laughs> I, I I just I thought he was awesome. Oh, yeah. I thought he was just terrific, and I couldn't think of his name. Yeah. And I remember at Christmas time. He would play Christmas carols, and there was a carol he said was written by Mike Rapjack. And uh, being a musician, I was, and, and it was, it's one of the most beautiful Christmas songs I've ever heard. And they would play it at CFL just at Christmas time. I wondered, I mean, I'd never heard it was, it was published or anybody did it, but uh, is Mike Rapjack gone too? Uh, yeah. As, I, I mean, I don't know that for oh. sure, but I, I, I'm. I shouldn't say that, you know, yeah. because the last time I pronounced somebody dead, they called in. But uh, 
that that was in L.A. Actually, yeah, she called in, uh-huh. and so I think it was Joni James. But anyway, <laughs> she was very much alive. Uh, so, but I think Mike died in about two thousand six, if I'm not uh, not uh, yeah, Dean of the Big Bands, and I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's right. But somebody will call yeah. and correct me otherwise. But yeah, <laughs> he did he did Christmas piano concertos and and things like that, and uh, uh-huh. that probably is also something you I, you know everything's online these days. So I would say, uh, go to YouTube and look around. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. I will. I will. It, it was a beautiful tune. It was a beautiful tune. Uh, when we were on ship going up to the Arctic, and this is uh, in 1958, mm-hmm. and uh, we, uh, we were only uh, got supplies through his uh, supply ship. We were on an icebreaker. I was in the Navy, but it was commissioned into the Coast Guard icebreaker, commissioned into the Navy uh, as the USS Atka for these special things we were doing. So all that came onto the ship made either by helicopter. Uh, we got our Christmas mail in February, usually, because mm-hmm. the weather was bad and we didn't get it. And uh, w- one of the fellows had a 45 record player, and he had two records. Now, if you can imagine being in close quarters and there could be only two records you could have, I'm, uh, what two records would you think would be you know, acceptable? Oh, none of it oh, would be acceptable, but I'm sure in 1958 they were two that you heard one time too many. Well, one of them was "Happy Happy Birthday, Baby." Right, the Tune Weavers. And I don't the Tune Weavers. Was it the Tune Weavers? Yes, okay, Tune Weavers. Margot Sylvia but... on lead. Yes. Ah. Uh, and the other and one. The other one was transfusion. Oh, nervous, nervous. Nervous, nervous. Put a gallon in me, Alan. Barnyard yeah, drivers that's... coming to classes, <laughs> lion crowding hogs, and steaming jackasses. So remember to slow down today. <laughs> hey, Daddy O, make that type beautiful, O. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. When I started, when I started uh, uh, playing, I, I went to the University of Illinois uh, through the GI Bill. When I got out uh, at Navy Pier, there where it was, and uh, I was a drummer. And I, I started getting some jobs from, from through my drum teacher, and I was playing. I. I'll, I I, I was one of the people that you hear about that really believed, and I'm not ashamed to say it because it's the truth, but I am ashamed, uh, that I was one of those people that thought rock and roll was a fad like Calypso and would die. You're not alone. And all I wanted to do was listen to uh, uh, Coltrane and to uh, Dave Brubeck and, and you know, things like this. This is all I cared about. You're not alone. But, um, not alone. Uh, it, after all, you know, Mitch Miller believed it. In fact, he's the one who kept calling the government saying that disc jockeys needed to be investigated for payola because no adult would play that music without being paid to do it. That's right. Uh, I forgot about that. Hang on a minute. Don't go away. We'll pick it up right there. Yeah. We're talking to Rick. He's in Woodstock. And we've got Bill and Richard and Tom and Eduardo and one line available for you tonight on WGN Radio. Nervous Norvis. Yes, exactly. Nervous Norvis was actually James Drake, and he was from Memphis, born in 1912. So he was uh, not exactly a spring chicken when that came out in 1956. We're talking with Rick, who is a first-time caller from Woodstock, Illinois, on WGN Radio. So, sorry for the interruption. Oh, no. Listen, I am enjoying this so much. Last night, you were talking about commercials. 
Um, I, I wasn't first called by any chance, but I, I did quite a few of them in the 60s and the 70s. And when uh, you were talking about uh, about jingles yeah. and uh, the jingle house, the um, studios that I did some work in here was Universal uh, uh-huh. Recording, which is on Walton and Rush in CRC, Chicago Recording. Sure. And um, the there was do you do you remember the Singers Unlimited with Bonnie Herman? Oh, I was going to say Bonnie Herman, and that's Bonnie did those wonderful WCFL jingles, one of which I played last night. Bonnie was terrific. She was she was the I guess uh, I was we were heard the musicians heard that she was the. Um, uh, I don't want to say richest, but well off uh, more than any other uh, female in Chicago. Well, remember, remember, yeah, from she all was the reuse. not only that; she was the daughter of the champagne lady on Lawrence Welk. Yes. And her husband yes. was Jules Herman, who was a trumpeter. But she was the original, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, and, and so much more. That's right. Yeah. Hang That's on again. Right. Hang. We're going to find out what's going sure. on in the world. I have no idea what that sure. might be, but we'll all be edified together and pick it up right there on WGN Radio. In the nightclub. WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James. That's Elkie Brooks. Pearl's a singer. 1977 on A&M. and Stoller produced and co-wrote that. It was recorded in the Netherlands. Elkie Brooks is Elaine Bookbinder, known as the British Queen of Soul. Didn't chart here, but was top ten in the UK. Her brother was the drummer for Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas, and it's not the usual stuff you hear from and Stoller. I played it because Mike Stoller turned 88 over the weekend, still with us, so happy birthday to Mike Stoller. And we're talking to Rick in Woodstock. Again, sorry to interrupt you. Rick's back. Oh, thanks, Raleigh. I, I, you have people that, that are waiting to, to talk. I don't want to, but I'm just enjoying this. So just two uh, quick things. is um, We're listening last night to that girl that called in, Wanda, from Pennsylvania, about being a jingle singer. Uh-huh. What happened was, in the 60s and the 70s, it was fine because we lived on uh, pretty, we get the reuse checks every 13 weeks, you yeah. know. We would get reuse checks. I got one from McDonald's that I did in 19. 19- 68, and I got the last reuse check in, in 94. That's great. So that one lasts a long time. But what happened was, I remember we were doing a, uh, to do a spot for uh, Ace Hardware, mm-hmm. and um, we'd been done quite a few of them, and then I got a call that, uh, that it was canceled, you know. Mm-hmm. And what happened was, it, that was, I think it was 82, and they had decided to go to Indianapolis. There was a new word that came out then called uh, buyout <laughs> instead of getting the... <laughs> yeah, yeah well, those and, pesky unions, easy to just go down. Yeah, and they, yep. mm-hmm. that's what happened. That's yep. when the buyouts happened, mm-hmm. and I saw that eventually that's one of the reasons... Uh, that I that I I quit. There were too many DJs coming in. People. I played shows. I was at. The, I worked at the, the Mill Run Theater from time to time, and the Empire Room, and the different Playboy clubs, and uh, sure. the London House, and uh, Mr. Kelly's. And when the groups started coming in, they would bring tapes in and that. And sure. so uh, that was it. But I just wanted to just mention one more name and ask you if you know. I. Not sure when he passed, yeah, but um, he was the, uh, kind of a crazy guy, and uh, I was playing at a place on Rush Street uh, with a trio, a jazz trio, and um, he came in, and it was his name was Marty Fay. Oh, sure. And, yeah, and uh, I, I 
I first met him, I didn't know who he was or anything, but he used to uh, come in. He, he told me that I was, um, when he said, he said that, uh, he says, you're interested, I was innocent but warped. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's what he said. And he and was, he was, he was Mr. Personality. Guy. Yeah, Mr. Personality. Yeah. Man, I'll yeah. tell you. Marty Faye. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, his sister was a singer, a jazz singer, Frances Faye. And oh, sure. uh, she was coming. She was coming into the London house. He he hired me to get the band and and uh, be conductor for her at the London house. And she was just like her brother. She was another trip. <laughs> well, Marty Fay was interesting. He was just like you in that he hated rock and roll. And he got on the air one day and said said that Elvis will be exposed as nothing more than mediocre. And uh, literally, they got a bomb threat. And it was, uh, it was uh, he was host at the time of Marty's Morgue on Channel Seven, which was WBKB yeah, at the time. Yeah, that's right. That 10 p.m. movie Marty's thing, Morgue. Morty's Morgue. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was nasty to guess just for the fun of it. But <laughs> well, he threw he threw Paul Anka off his show one yeah. time. I remember I was watching it, and uh, he asked Paul Anka, uh, "Well, you 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 write songs. You're a composer. How do you rate yourself within and?" Uh, Paul Anka started saying, well, you know, he says, I kept saying things like Gershwin, and he thinks, and, and Marty, excuse me, excuse me, and he's, he looks around, he says, Mr. Producer, who, who, who hired this guy? And he just started yelling at him, he says, get off my stage, get off, he got up and he kind of picked him off chair and kind of pushed him off the stage, and they went to commercial. Oh, yeah. I've never seen anything like it. I think that was when he was on oh. CIU, Channel 26, doing that show. And what's funny, of course, Anka had the last laugh because he wrote the Tonight Show theme, so that made him wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, that show, he'd have people like George Shearing or Tony Bennett on that normally, so Paul yeah. Anka was a real, uh, real departure. And I think the last station he worked at was BEE in Harvey, which was jazz. And uh, he was on, uh, I think, in middays there. And after that, I, I don't know. But I think BEE in the mid-'80s was probably it. Hmm. Wow. Well, uh, listen, I, I, again, I want to thank you for, for talking to me for oh, so yeah. long and answering my questions. I, I, every time I listen to you, it make, brings up another memory, right? What happened to this or that? And yeah. I hope I don't bother you with this. No, I hope you'll call but, again. Um, Always good to hear from you. So don't be a stranger, Rick. Well, thank you so, so, right. so much, and I'm looking forward to listening to you. Thanks. Appreciate okay. it. Thanks, yeah. Raleigh. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. That's great. Yeah, people I, I rarely think about anymore, but yeah, Marty Fay, he was another one of those, man, did he hate uh, rock and roll. And uh, But he wasn't alone. Oh, I'll tell you who else did. Sheb Woolley uh, was uh, the, his, I guess it was his name, uh, he, you know, Purple People Eater and all that. Uh, he just hated it and purple people eater was supposed to be just a pimp on rock and roll and <laughs> i think he was most dismayed when it was a big hit but uh, he uh, he later did a lot of country stuff as ben colder some some parodies and stuff like that all right so we got eduardo he's at the airport well by the airport in midway so what's up eduardo yeah good evening that's uh, great to talk to you uh Likewise. i heard you talking about um uh, the uh, Blue Cross, there were some Blue Cross singers uh, the other day. That was pretty funny because my brother used to work for uh, us. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
That's yeah. that's absolutely yeah, true. That's, and I'm going to play that record later. We had a, it was Blue Emotions, who was a, a, uh-huh. a, a kind of a doo-wop group in uh, Jersey, New York area, and they became Blue Emotions, A, because they couldn't use the name Emotions anymore. There were lawsuits, but uh, it was Blue because they all worked for Blue Cross. How about that? You learned something now, I would say. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you, um, uh, you remember Charles Carroll? He used to be oh, on a Sunday morning show. Oh, of course, of so course. So that kind of reminded me of uh, No Man Land, because, you know, She's writing on the RV because you know she lost her job, and uh, yeah. so now she's writing on the American West. That kind of reminded me of Charles Carroll doing that. Yeah. Oh yeah. His on the road. Sadly, he's been gone a while now. Right. He died like ninety-seven. I miss on the road. The the yeah. interesting thing about that was uh, uh, posthumous, and I, you know I don't know how it finally turned out, but he had a mistress, and it was a who was living in one of these homes in Godforsaken Nowhere, and uh, I don't know how that turned out. The last I heard, his family was trying to get rid of her, and I don't know, but yeah, it was it was quite the soap opera there for a minute. Yeah, that's that's something. Uh, well, it's one of the one of my favorite shows. I mean, when I was growing up, uh, uh, American Bandstand on Saturday, and then Sunday morning show uh, uh, with Charles Carroll, and then they're on with I um, uh, forgot his uh, name. He retired. Uh, the guy that can't replace uh, Charles Carroll. I forgot. Uh, oh, Charles Osgood. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Nobody could there repla- we go. Nobody could replace Charles Carroll though. Not really. Somebody could stand no, there. No, no, he was yeah. yeah. he he was what he was, but yeah, he was only 62 when he died. Oh my god, that's I know. pretty young. I see I don't think I that that's why probably and the mistress I remember her name was Patricia something or other and the widow uh th- this went to court. This was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. I don't know how it turned out. I'll have to look that up. I bet you it's still online somewhere. So, usually... That'd be something good to research, too. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll have to write that down to see what happened to poor Patricia in that lawsuit. But she had people testifying on her behalf, as I recall, because uh, she had a piece of that house beyond just his goodness. But, yeah, Patricia... I think it's Patricia Shannon, but I'll have to look that up. Okay. Okay. Hey, before I go, I'd like to request a song. Oh, of um, course. Uh, uh, classic for uh, Stormy. Oh, okay. It's kind of raining today. Yeah. Okay. Classics for. Whenever you get around to it. Okay. I'd be happy to do that. Atlanta. All right. We'll do it. Okay, Ron. Let's okay. get to the next caller. Thanks we'll, for calling. We'll talk next week, maybe. I'm counting okay. on it. Have a good Alrighty, weekend. You too. So let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. The classics for interesting. They played a lot around Atlanta, and some of them used to play with Dennis St. John, who later later became musical director for uh, Neil Diamond. But for a while, he had this group, St. John and the Cardinals, and they would you know, play in Marietta and places like that, or you know, the WFOM dances or whatever, and, and throughout, uh, throughout Seattle, but uh, throughout Atlanta. But they had a great bit because St. John and the Cardinals, they didn't have to worry about how to dress. They just wore uh, choir uniforms. But what they would do was they would rent them and... <laughs> <laughs> and this went on for quite a while until one day they were returning the uniforms after some ruckus night where they were, of course, on stage sweating with hours of rhythm and blues and rock and roll. And the guy who run, ran the choir uniform rental place looked at him and said, what kind of church you boys belong to? <laughs> 
I always laughed about that, but yeah, St. John and the Cardinals. And then some of them, like I say, went on to uh, Classics 4 and then Atlanta Rhythm Section later. Yeah, their bassist, I forget his name now. He was a friend too, but he's no longer with us either. Man, how quickly they go. All right, so we've got Bill and Bala, Richard in South Florida, Tom in Covington, and Room for You coming up on WGN Radio. Yesterday's love I'm Riley James and that's Dennis Yost in the Classics 4 I actually started in Jacksonville later Atlanta and uh, it was interesting because when Dean Dougherty joined he uh, had been in the Candyman Roy Orbison's group and he and Buddy Bowie who was producer for all those records and co-writer of Stormy along with J.R. Cobb they left and joined the Atlanta Rhythm Section where my buddy Paul Goddard I finally thought of his name sadly been gone since 2014 was a bassist so a lot of good stuff but yeah that was a that was a big hit for the classics for traces uh, even higher on the uh, on the charts however but uh, yeah quite a few records so happy to do that for Eduardo near the airport at Midway and room for you as always 888-876-5593 that'd be 8888-R-O-L-L-Y-E Bill is in Bala welcome to WGN Radio so am I under the impression that you're under the impression that people actually need to board the rides in uh, amusement to start screaming? Well, now they're not allowed to scream when they board the ride. This is the part. And I, see, now you have to get into, is the scream voluntary? Well, see, the problem is I've never needed to actually board the rides to start screaming. One look at the concession stand prices. Oh, God, yes. Is, well, and the lines and everything else, you know. I. Oh. I went to Disneyland when it opened when I was a child. It was 1955, and I never went back after that. And I can't tell you how many people would come to Southern California. Will you take me to Disneyland? I said, well, I'll drop you off at the front, but that's as far (laughs) as I'd get. So, yes, that's apparently the deal. They uh, originally were going to outlaw streaming, as they have in Japan. I love that scream within your heart. Uh, that that just sounds like an e-ticket to the emergency room to me. But in any event, uh, they apparently now can scream, providing they social distance. But the other half of that is usually that's about the time you want to grab the person next to you, who hopefully you know very well, and hold on for dear life. Yeah, I... Uh I, I know Disneyland gets knocked a lot because it's it's so incredibly uh, overpriced these days. But the one thing that they that Disneyland does do right, and I have to give them credit for this, is their bathroom always in good shape. Well, all um, all of it. They're very, of it. they're very into that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, yeah. it's uh, uh, the precision with which that park operates is like a Swiss watch. I mean, they do not fool around. Uh, they actually have their own feral cats. You know, a colony of a hundred of them to keep the mice away. And there were people in yeah. California during the pandemic who were very afraid that the cats would go hungry. But all contrary, the cats are just fine. Yeah. Um. T- Two things I wanted to, to talk about. Um, TJ was asking about a, a shortwave radio with big sound. Yeah. He give any indication as to as to what kind of uh, bit he has for this? No. Okay. Did did he say anything about the kind of room that he's planning on using it in? I would just assume your basic bedroom or living room or something like that. I don't think it was a concert hall. Okay. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. And then and then as far as preference between new radios, does he have a preference as far as he insists on being the first owner or 
is he okay with the idea of, of getting a used radio somewhere? He did not voice. I would assume used would be fine. But if you're talking about something that still has tubes, we hopefully it's something where the tubes can be replaced and they still exist. Well, the, the thing with tube radios is when you buy one of those, you're not just buying a radio. You're essentially buying a whole new hobby. Well, and a heater, yes, <laughs> all true. But, yeah. but you know, nothing sounds better. Man, I'll tell you, you get you one of the L34s, no, just pear-shaped tones, the best. Right, but, you know, in a way that can be a problem because if you're not careful, you can listen to you know, hours of rubbish before you realize, you know what, the only reason I just listened to that is because it sounded so good on this radio. Good enough. Yeah. Um, you, you had talked about uh, Grundig uh, last night. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Grundig of today is not the Grundig of your parents. Oh, of course not. I know. Yeah. I mean, it, Grundig was no really superbly well-made radios that sounded great, but the reason why they, they were able to produce such good radios is because they had a, a factory in Portugal that helped keep the labor costs low, but which was close enough to Germany so that the Germans could could, uh, could keep it on the quality control. That factory closed in the last radio they, they made, and that was the Satellite 700. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's a, an excellent radio. Bob in Tennessee had mentioned the, uh, the Satellite 500. That was the one that, that that they made just before the 700. Oh, right, right. You know, the 650 in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's another good one, too. But the, the reason I mention it is when, when you're comparing the radios with the Grunge name on it, if you're comparing those to the radios that are made yeah. today, that's one thing, but... People are buying Grundigs made today with the idea that, you know what, this is going to be like the Grundig my parents had. No. They, yeah, they're really barking on tree because, you know, ever ever since the, the turn of the century, all of Grundig stuff has been made in China. So it's, it's comparable to what you'll get from manufacturers. But the reason I mention it is because if, pe- if people see the Grundig name and, they, and they're thinking along the lines of, hey, if I like this, this will be just like no. the, the old radios Grundig used to make. It's it's completely different. No, it uh, it went into bankruptcy, you know, almost two decades ago, and it's a name now, just like so many other names that have absolutely nothing to do with the underlying products. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad what happened to them, but it's not a coincidence that Grundig started having financial problems at around the the uh, the time that the Chinese were starting to get in big into yeah. consumer electronics. Yeah, a- absolutely. And uh, the result was lesser quality, no two ways about it. But now we're in a disposable uh, environment, and most people are happy to listen on their phones or what have you. So the idea of full fidelity doesn't exist. And, you know, it's also interesting that what's made for today's music in terms of how it's done and all that fits just fine electronically electronically on on today's speakers but you know if you're if you're trying to play something from the 50s or whatever it you can hear the defects badly but most people today aren't listening to that yeah and that, that's really the thing with shortwave is shortwave has been kind of a niche market for a couple of decades now because i, I know right around the turn of the century i started getting into it and of course whenever i get 
something, that's everyone else's cue to start getting out of it. So, oh, yeah, I can relate to this. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I learned with, with my first uh, Grundig purchase there at the turn of the century that, you know what, in, in its own, in, in its own light, this isn't a bad radio, but when, when I was comparing it to what I'd known before with the, you know, with the satellites and, yeah. and, and the, the classic radios, huge difference. Oh, ab- absolutely. They had a real, real tape recorder for a while. I mean, they had so many neat things. And yes, of course, all those 50s, uh, uh, you know, stereos and the furniture that went with it and all that. It was just terrific. Yeah. Um, w- one of these days, if you think of it, um, I know you're talking about what Mitch Miller uh, thought yeah. of rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, did, did you ever come across Frank Sinatra's remarks uh, concerning rock and roll? Oh, yeah, yeah. But he just didn't have the same historical impact. Thank God. All right, you've ended the hour, so call me soon. Thank you. Okay. Okay, right. thanks again, Raleigh. Good, Good deal. So uh, most of the pop standard artists were just aghast is what it was, uh, and either that or completely dismissive, both of which were just a few steps away from reality. On WGN Radio.